This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Nextlander podcast. We are post-Starfield launch. Brad Shoemaker, how are you? Uh... Spatial. Drifting okay. in space. Ladies, okay. ladies and gentlemen, we are drifting in space. Okay, Alex Floating Navarro. The drifting Floating. shoemaker. Floating in space. Sorry. Oh, good. good. Make sure you got it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Navarro. Yes. Yeah, no, well, the world has changed now that Starfield is out and everyone can say... <laughs> it's a video game. That sure is one of those video games. That's right. Uh, we are yeah, in it's a, out, out, actually. It's, it's, it is. It's, it's as a world. Yeah. Just, just last night was the full-on Game Pass. Everybody, nobody has to pay $35 to play it anymore. Was that last? Oh, it was like midnight last night? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Maybe late yesterday. So as of the time of this recording, uh, it is the 6th of mm-hmm. September. Um, Game Pass day for those getting into Starfield on the Game Pass. Uh, yeah. I think uh, before we get into the games, we're going to talk about Starfield. I played a little bit of a game called Shadow Gambit, played some Trine. We'll catch up with some other stuff. Uh, but before we get into that, the banter, the bantering. Anything yes. uh, Anything you guys have to banter about? 
Wow, you really came prepared today, Vinny. You seem like you're just like, hey, you guys want to yeah, just, wanna, just wanna talk about talk? something? Because I'm going to sit back here. I'm going to hang out. You guys, you guys like olives? Have you heard about olives? They're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you guys like pits in the olives? You don't like pits? Those black olives are good. Is it acceptable to have green olives and Kalamata olives in the fridge at the same time? Is that yes. too many olives? Okay. Yes, Who would stop olives. you? I can't imagine that it's possible to have too many olives personally. I love an olive. I love olive juice. I uh, I just got back from, well, I was on a trip. I was away. Got back uh, from a, a little vacation with the kids. Uh, it was fun. You have it that was... air about you right now. The person who just kind of wafted in from a few days away and also maybe is not fully ready to commit all the way to getting back into work mindset because yeah. uh, you're also taking a week off next week. Well, I hit the ground running because there's like 10 things I need to do before uh, we right. we go. So. It keeps happening. I uh, there's there's uh, there's there's a company taxes Planorama mm-hmm. has never been a better podcast. There's an extra ramble cast. There's getting the extra never been a better podcast done. And there's three days to do all of that stuff. So uh, my kids are going back to school on Thursday, and today's mm-hmm. their last day. Uh, and so I'm trying to squeeze in that. And I threw Boulder's Gate uh, three on the PS5 at that them and said, see how far you can get. Yeah, <laughs> go see, dig into this for a bit. I'll I'll be uh, I'll be up in about ten hours. So uh, let me be clear: it's not that I'm not saying you're here to do the work or anything. Uh, I'm saying that your mind seems like it is in that kind of like uh, I just I'm ready to still be on a break kind of. Mentality. I definitely have one foot thinking, or let's say one eye eyeballing what I'm going to do next week as I mm-hmm. try to get things done this week. Understandable. Like, I'm in that mindset of like, if I just put my nose down, get this stuff done. It won't go into next week, and my goal is to try and not have. I, I think one thing is going to bleed into next week, but I would like to have as much done before. So I have I have started taking the I've tell this to my kids, and I do it for myself now. I do you got to do the must dos before you can do the wanna dos, and so well now when I wake up in the morning because I have a little trouble focusing sometimes with like a lot of stuff, I go okay, what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. What do I want to do, but what needs to be done? What needs to be done is I need to tell our accountant these things that need to be done. Right. Do I want to do that? Yeah. Of would course I, not. Would I rather be playing like trying? Yeah, but this yeah. needs to get done at this time. What needs to get done? Like podcast prep needs to get done mm-hmm. before uh, the podcast, before we record. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Other things can slip and slide into other time slots. Well, what needs to get done? And that's really actually worked for me because I find myself starting a thing and then being like, this other thing is way more fun. And at some point it will be a needs to be done. But right now it's a wants to get done. Well, there's, there's also that other, there's that second tier there of needs to be done now or needs to be done sometime. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. And then, these and these then, want to be done will become needs to be and, done. And then at some point, well, I mean, there are things that are not fun, let's say, that need to be done, but like can slide and that's the problem and and unfortunately they tend to slide forever that's that's my my dark impulse control problem is that if it's a needs to be done and it is right in front of my face and has Uh to be done this instant it will get done if it is a needs to be done but i can even think about the possibility of putting it let's just say a little further down down the road 
I almost always end up doing that in favor of something I would like to be doing. Like, is my janky-ass audio setup that really needs to be completely torn apart and redone working? Yes. Can the audience tell the difference if I did it right or not? No. So I guess that's probably never going to be a priority. Yeah, what's the big deal? See, to me, that's not a a needs-to-be-done. That's more of a... I need it to be done. Has to be done. I need it to be done. (laughs) There's a needs to be done. Otherwise, something can't happen. There's a Mm -hmm. has to be done, and then there's a want to do. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a that has to be done. My speakers also have my my subwoofer preamp has completely bit the dust. I have one speaker working now, and it just blows out everything. I could just buy a twenty dollar amp and plug my speakers into it for now, like one of those USB amps, those DACs. But look. Do I want to take apart that entire clip speaker and like start resoldering stuff? I totally do. So am I going to deal with one speaker? I can wear headphones. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's that's got two speakers right in it. It's right there, right there on my head. But it's not a need. Would I, instead of going over and doing the books, would I rather be at the soldering bench? And that is a real challenge to me being like, mm-hmm. as I'm grabbing this thing, walking over, and they'd be like, no, no, Vinny. No, no. You really, you have you have three hours and you need to get this thing done before we record. Needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Needs to be done. And so Man. when I see my kids and I'm like, look, is that is playing Baldur's Gate a needs to be done? I mean, I had a, had a meeting to see a popular video game land next week here in the uh-huh. city. Uh, which I could not turn down just because we're off, quote unquote. Uh-huh. So I'll, I'll be going to see that. It needs to be done. There's, it needs another, to be seen. Is that it wants to be done? There's, well, it's both. I, mean, okay. I want to see it. I would yeah. like to see the people showing it. I would like but, to see it. But, you know, would it have been nicer on a different week? <laughs> sure, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to go. There's there's another another popular game that review code needs to be hunted down for. So I guess what I'm saying is that we should have sent out a press release to the industry. Hey, we're not going to be... Don't put out any games this week or show any games. Yes. Please accommodate. The, now. Please Good. accommodate the three of us uh, at every, at every tell, turn. Tell the event to have a, a sneak preview this, this week, uh, just for you. You are single-handedly keeping San Francisco game appointments alive. I guess. You, Someone uh, has to do it. I'm, I'm yeah, the only one right. here. <laughs> the last, last one standing. They all left. Uh, you got to take them. Video games left. Uh, we are here to talk about some video games because that is a wants to be done. I want the games I have to talk about today. I want to go and play some more of. Sometimes that's not always the case. Sometimes yeah. a video game can be a needs to be played. Sometimes a video game could be a wants to be played. Sometimes a video game is a has to be played. But we try to avoid that at Nextlander. I feel like there's a needs to be played and a and a wants to be played. I feel like the has to be played was more of a you you're assigned this for a review. You have to. You have to do this. I feel like every once in a while, there's a has to be played. Like last week, I would have said Starfield was a has to be played. Now I don't know if it is a has to be played. So I would have said that's a needs to be played. Look, mm. look, we, this is one we're all going to hit. Don't do you have to do it? No. I know it sounds like a weird difference, uh, semantic difference, but you know, in yeah, your heart, you, you know. know the difference between a need and a have. You, know, you, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> That's right. It's true. Nobody, we don't have to do anything. Nobody here telling us what to do. But That's us. exactly right. That's why I feel like the the has to be done is like that's kind of an older like GameSpot style thing of like, look, you can get fired if you, if you don't do this thing. You have to do your write ups. Yeah, There's no have, reason no for reason you not to do your write ups. I was I was just reading Greg's review of Doom Three a couple uh-huh. days ago because I've been thinking a lot about old shooters lately. Mm-hmm. Remember that whole thing? Yeah. Remember us like literally sending buttons for I can't remember why it was only available in LA. 
Remember that? Yes, like it was a review event. I remember. We, we literally, I don't, was it an event or was it like I think a it was, store that broke street date or I can't remember what. Anyway, we put somebody on a plane to LA to go get a copy of that game. We did. And like they just got it and turned right around and got back on a plane and flew back. And then that happened Greg, with a Call of Duty then, or two. And then it? Greg took it home and played it, like played it straight through start to finish overnight, I believe, and came in and reviewed it. That had to be played. That, that, that was did a have to, to be, be played. Done. You know, knowing Greg, that might have been a wanted to be played. Where he was at in his life, I don't know. He I feel like he had a real burning fire inside of him to get those up. I my kid just asked if he should play Doom. Uh, Doom like original the, uh, Doom? No, I said the Doom remake is the one that you would play. Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he's got he's had real curiosity for first person games now, first person okay. shooters, and mm-hmm. like he was asking about Doom. He said, "Who's the main ca- character in Doom?" He's said, he's at that Doom that guy. you know impressionable age. Yeah, Doom guy. Been playing a lot of Halo, and I said, "He said, is it a game for kids?" And I was like, "You know what? Kind kind of like I would say." Are you saying it's a kiddie tw- game? 2016 is not like it's silly it's uh-huh. not like i think like an 11 year old could jump into that game with no problem it's like goofy how much does he know about hell is going to be the real yeah real question there i, I mean how him. catholic did you raise him no uh, not very okay uh, well they'll at least have a he'll have a couple of touchstones yeah let's talk about this let's talk about samuel hayden there is a there is a sizable new documentary out that i want to see called first person shooter which is like over four hours long Oh my gosh. Which is about, you guessed it. Hmm. Yeah. First person shooters. Mm-hmm. We we had a long car ride home. I would say 45 minutes or conversation on the car ride about genres. Because he, somebody had nonsense. said, to, he yes, well, we, eventually we, we started with that. But he was talking to a family member mm-hmm. and they were saying, um, he was talking about Halo Wars because he's been playing a lot of Halo. And they said, oh, you know, that's that's more of a tactical game. That's more of like an uh, RTS. And he said, well, you know, Halo is pretty tactical. And so I had to, you know. You had to explain him why he was wrong. He's not I had wrong, to be like, look, there there are genres are meaningless, but unless they have meaning. Like, you, look, Halo is not an RTS game. Original Halo is not an Halo Wars RTS game. Now, are genres meaningless and have a lot of blending in them? Yes, but you still can't call Halo an RTS. No, game. you're liable to get your ass kicked talking like that. Right. So he wasn't sure. He was like, "Well, what does that mean?" I was like, "Well, this is what this means. What does this mean here? What is a turn-based one? This is what this means." Now, could you call Halo or or some shooters? Do they have role-playing elements in them? Is it like what's Mass Effect? Is Mass Effect a, a role-playing game with shoot, action shooting elements in it? Like then, I think we start to get pretty muddied up. And he I'm not said, sure well, that even EA knows what Mass Effect is at this point. <laughs> and so I think the what I said was, I I would and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm I'm sitting with two experts, but I said mm-hmm. traditionally I would say role playing just means you have some kind of experience points that you decide where to put them at some point. Like you have a unique character build or something based on experience points you got for doing something that's unique to your character. It's not the same as everyone else. I do think it also has to be fairly quest driven. Quest driven? Okay. Traditionally, some kind of stats, some kind of leveling, some kind of XP. But I think at this point, role playing can mean anything with choices in it. Anything with like player Mm. expression in choosing courses of action. Yeah, like would you, you call know, like those the, Telltale games role playing games? Like, like, um, eh, I don't no. know. I mean, not, some some <laughs> people might, but like, doesn't Stray Gods refer to itself as an RPG? 
Or oh, did yeah, I dream musical that? Role playing. The musical role-playing game. Isn't that how they build yeah. that game? I would have called that more a musical ad- the role, role, role-playing like adventure musical. game. The role-playing musical is how okay. they describe it. Like, those are adventure games. I don't know. Anyway. We're not we here did. to tell you what is or isn't an RPG or, or adventure game. That's, look, we have our opinions, but that's All it. I know is the original Halo is not a turn-based strategy game. No. Or, or nor is it a, jeez, uh, 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 um, RTS game. Yeah. Uh, a real-time strategy game. So, those things I know. Uh, and also, I know Starfield is an RPG. Is a role-playing space adventure, first-person, third-person, space exploration, single-player game. I, do, I know yes. it's a single-player game. The space exploration part is questionable, maybe. <laughs> space loading, a loading. Yeah, space you combat. can float around a little bit. Space, space combat. combat. Yeah. Uh, role playing space not fucking CRPG, around not it's it's you know what i think i said at some point games become big enough to be their own genres and i would say it's a fallout like well it's a, it's, yeah ooh. i mean you're not really getting too far out of pocket by saying uh-huh. that one i think like there are souls likes there are isn't fallout likes isn't fallout just a morrowind like you're a morrowind like yeah i guess so it's a Bethesda like. Anyway, let's talk about some Starfield. Uh, let's ca- let's catch up on Starfield uh, before we hit the first break here. What what how what Brad? What have you been up to in Starfield? I've mostly been screwing around in it, just poking at it to see what how it ticks and stuff. Like I kind of ran with that save from Friday actually, which I didn't expect Did you? to. Like I. I don't think it's going to be my permanent save because that's not how I roll as a. That's not how I roll as I role play. I uh-huh. guess. That's not how I role play. Like, I don't, I don't like to be a dastardly sort generally in those sorts of games. And, like, we did that stream Friday where I just decided to... Merc grandma? Be shitty. Um, I massacred a police station. I stole some some ships. I ran up a bounty. Okay, a massacred a police station is maybe overstating it. You killed, like, three guys. How's it going? It was not a well-staffed more, police station. No. Brad. You, you, you racked up quite a bounty. Uh, Eventually. But, the, I mean, yeah, yeah, they were mad about it. I'm just saying it wasn't, like, a massacre. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I know how many people I killed because the bodies are still there. Like, I'm not oh, sure that oh, bodies right. ever disappear in this game. Like, also... There was no one left in that police station. You, so there is remember, that. remember, Sergeant Yumi had yes. had plot, plot, plot critical armor mm-hmm. yeah. and was just crawling around. So, like, going back to that police station has made me question, is this game not as reactive and open-ended as, as their previous games, or were they never that way? Because when I went back there, all those police corpses are still lying exactly where, where they went down. Yeah. But Sergeant Yumi is back on his feet behind the desk, and when I go back and when I go up and talk to him, he's like, "He's like, so thought any more about that position Wait, I offered? What? Even with yeah. your bounty still active? I, I had to pay the bounty to get back okay. onto the planet. Like, they but were, he, you they have were, reset the world. They were going to open fire when I entered orbit unless I paid the sizable bounty right there on the spot. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> but like, it's just another one of those. It was kind of like the thing I talked about last week with Sarah sort of flipping out on me for. Yeah, clearing a ship that she was helping me clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like, I just like, dude, you're surrounded by the corpses of your dead, of your dead friends who I murdered. Yeah. And you're just standing here cheerfully offering me a job. And like, I, I just, was there ever a point when like important NPCs could be, could all be killed in that game? Like Dark Souls style. Like I, I thought there was, but I know that ship sailed because like Fallout 4 was not like that either. I know that this is not new for them, but I'd swear, I swear going back in time, yeah, you were more free to break the story by 
making choices and by making choices, I mean killing important people. Right. I I mean, at the very least, let's say mission givers, right? And just cut off a chain of mission because I don't know if Sergeant Yumi winds up being the most plot critical. I I don't think so at all. He's he's, he's activity tier. Like for me, the like I haven't followed up on that stuff, but activity is literally the lowest level of mission you can have in that game. And that was where he was. So like not being able to just close out that tier, should they give you a couple of opportunities? Yes. But should you also be able to just end that, that line of quests? I, I would think so. Unless maybe further on the line, the free, is it free space collective? Free Free star. Makes you go out and assassinate that dude, and that's an important milestone in it. But yeah, they're like down but not out, and then pops. The other thing that really kind of bugged me during the stream was you downed him. He'd go down on his knees, and but then would get up within like I don't know five or ten minutes yeah. and start shooting at you again, and that bugged me. They should mm. at least have it be like when you enter the zone or come back in, he can get back up. But having him get back up and just open fire makes it I don't know makes it seem silly yeah i for I, I don't know if it's nitpicky but for me it's the part where he's perpetually surrounded by corpses you know it's yeah, like, i know yeah maybe maybe you should flag this building as corpses despawn because you would think they would carry their the dead cops out or, at okay, some point look, it would probably be probably be a lot of work and this game seems like it was a lot of work but would you feel much better if you were carrying the if you came in and he's dragging the bodies Dude, into a fucking room? hit him as as with many other things hitman showed the way <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. just to make him drag the <laughs> make him drag the body bags out let's get some realism in here like surely there are at least some paramedics on this planet you know like someone can do some of this work yeah like if he okay if he's dragging the bodies and you go to talk to him he's like hey i'm not sure what happened there there's a blank spot in my memory or like so, just acknowledge like I'm really torn up about this. Anyway, given more thought about, you know, whatever, whatever, as we're dragging the bodies. But yeah, the the corpses, even the corpses on your ship where nobody reacts to them. Yes, those are still there too. That ship that I got on that stream, remember? I had to kill yeah. those mercs in the cockpit to, yep. to take the ship. Yeah. It's still there. Just, and still, like, just, still just laying there in the cockpit. I mean, I can drag them elsewhere in the ship, but. <laughs> you just have a corpse pile. Um, yes. You know, another time I tried to board a ship and take it. Mm-hmm. They took off while I was on it, Wait, which I did didn't know they could travel do. with them. Yeah, like I was separated from my own ship. I was in space. Like I got on the ship. It was weird. It kind of like it seemed like it was bugging out a little bit because I could like see sort of like shaking and like there were weird graphical effects going on that I think are probably what surrounded the ship when it flies, mm-hmm. except I was on it. Mm-hmm. So I could kind of see that bleeding through the ship walls a little bit. And then it cut the black like it was loading for a second. And then I was just right back in the same spot. So then I went through the ship, and when I got up to the cockpit where you can see out of the ship, sure enough, I was in space. Like, they had taken off with me on the ship, and my ship was still on the planet, so... Oh my gosh. You know, it was like, the game pops up when you fight on somebody else's ship. It's like, take now take over the ship or leave. It's like, right. I don't think I have a choice here. My ship is below several thousand miles. I think I need... I have to take over the ship to get anywhere. It was kind of... D- it was sort of cool, but it also exposes the limitations of that game, you know, because there yeah. is no real space flight, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. the idea of a ship taking off while you're on it and fleeing is kind of amazing from like an emergent standpoint. Yeah. But because it's also segmented and it's just loading screens and there's no real space flight and stuff like it feels like there's only so much you can actually do with that. Do you, do you think the game would be 
better if you had working exteriors for the ship player like if you could if you could airlock out of a ship that's one of the things i've seen i I saw a list going around of like some somebody spitballing some like yeah it's cool but what if it had all this stuff and like yeah i think the game is cool i'm enjoying it for what it is but like reading that list was just like every single one of them was like dagger to the heart like god that would be so awesome and like evas like spacewalks going outside to salvage or repair your ship or whatever the hell like was one of those or, or like, um, at the, I was thinking more like just jettison the body. If you had working airlocks yeah. and you could yeah. just, I also like the, the, I feel like the part where you're battling somebody and force them back into an airlock and then could hit the button would be, I mean, everyone, that's, that's what, what everybody that's, wants to do in space. That awesome is literally working. the thing you want to do in a yeah. space game. Dude, I mean, they're, they've got gravity already in physics of various types, you know, like, like, did you see the potato video going around? No, I have seen somebody, a potato. Somebody filled a, sh- a room on their oh. ship with thousands of potatoes, and when they open the door, they very realistically come spilling out. Wasn't that uh, in an official Bethesda video? Then somebody uh, like, sandwiches. Oh, sandwiches! But this okay. was like this was literally like the room is overflowing. It's like waist high with potatoes. <laughs> the new cheese wheel. And like, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. But um, yes, like they're already modeling gravity and physics. Like, if what if they modeled like air current and vacuum type stuff? You know. Mm-hmm. Like you really could space somebody like that would be incredible. That'd be cool. Like, and like, what if, what if you got, what if you could get boarded and you could ditch the invaders by spacing them? I, you know, I'm thinking technically like we've talked about probably some of the big problems there is the world doesn't exist outside of your spaceship when you're inside your spaceship. Right. Right. Like it, it, you're in a different zone. You're in a different habitat. Like I, you can tell the spaceship to fly and then get up from your cockpit but I don't know what's being modeled outside of that spaceship. Yeah. I'm going to say not really a lot. There. Yeah, I guess, you know, in in some fairness to Bethesda, this game cannot be all things to all people. There's no way yeah. that they could make it do everything everybody wanted in the in the ultimate space game. But, like, you know, it's only because it has the scope that it has that they invite these questions and this kind of scrutiny in the first place. Right. It's only when you realize you can't do something that you're like, oh, everything else feels like it should be a natural thing to do. And yeah. Then- yeah. You yeah. can't you can't do it. Um the the only other stuff I'll say is I don't know if you guys have been stealing a lot of ships. <laughs> I made a valiant attempt at uh hijacking one after we did our stream uh and it did not go well and I've not tried to go back and do it again since. So uh, this may be a gate on my strategy of never buying a ship and just stealing them all to a massive fleet. I don't know for sure, mm-hmm. but all the ships I have stolen and even registered so far have had like at least one or more slots like kind of grayed out. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, don't if, I don't know if you tried to upgrade a stolen ship before. I've but. never been able to register it. I've never had enough money to pay the registration okay. fee. Um, the registration seems like it tracks pretty closely to the sale value of the ship. Not exactly. That's, oh, that stinks. Um, I did it on a throwaway save. You know, I spent, I was just like, fine, I'll spend a bunch of my money just to see how this stuff works. But, yeah. but like all the ships I've had, like one of them, I think it was like shields and maybe a reactor couldn't be swapped out. Hmm. Um, another one, another one I was getting an error actually is the one I had on that stream that didn't have missiles. There's no, I, it wouldn't hmm. let me install missiles on the ship. Like, and it's not like there's not enough hard points on the ship or something. Yeah. Like, like when you cycle through the systems on that one where it's locked yeah. out, they're just grayed out. Like you just can't hmm. select those systems to replace them like you can the others. So I wonder, I wonder if that's one way they're just preventing you from stealing everything. Like they're trying to funnel you into actually spending money on ships and stuff. You might just be able to redesign the ship to get out of yeah. that. But like that system, that's kind of another place. I wish there was a little more tutorial there because like figuring out how to highlight the right part of the ship to even figure out what is locking it out is, is not super easy. 
Yeah. So like you, you might be able to just like delete certain systems or parts of ships and put new ones on. I'm not sure, but I kind of just wish they told you what the registration price would be on the dang ship. I'm surprised they don't like how much money do you need to register it? They, Oh, I can't remember how they did at some point before I spent the money. They did. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it was when because I, you didn't have enough, right? It was I didn't have enough. Didn't, and it, that's because yeah. you were on a starting save, though. You were. But, like, um, I wish I knew how much I would have to accrue, you know? Like, where, how much money do I it was need like, to get? It was like 12000 to register that um, that mercenary ship that I got on that stream. Okay, so it's the sale price, not the purchase price. Yeah, no, no, no. It was not, like, okay. the full value of that ship was, like, 100000 Yeah, right? okay. And, again, I don't, yeah. think it was, I don't think it was tied to the sale value. I think it just happened to be, like, pretty close to it. I, I still think that game's fun. I, yeah, it's I cool. find myself like, um, you know, I'm not dying to get back into it uh, most times, but I've been away for a while, so maybe I just need to get spin my wheels back up again. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the last thing is this debate raging online about how to play it in terms of finishing the story and New Game Plus and all that stuff. I don't know if you've seen that stuff. I have not. Like, they lock so much behind A, story progress, but B, there's even content that you have to go into New Game Plus for. And it's official and, new game plus. It's not just yes. post game save. Uh, well, I think it's both. Oh, okay. I don't. I I don't know all the mechanics because I haven't gotten there because I've just been screwing around. But you know, there's stuff you get. There are. Okay. I, I like people compared it to like the shouts in Skyrim, for example. You know, it's like uh, you late game stuff. Play up to this point in the story, then it's kind of like you're playing Skyrim without shouts, which sucks. Mm. But but there's stuff. I I don't know. I don't want to get too much into it because I don't know all the details because I haven't gotten there or exposed myself to the information, but. There's like stuff that unlocks in a new game plus playthrough that you don't have access to. The the upshot of this is like coming out of reviews. Some people who reviewed it or streamed it were saying like, just rush the story, just play straight through to new game plus and then treat that like the real game. And then you'll have all the stuff and then okay. you can go do all the side stuff you want. But then like other people are like, no, that sucks. Don't do that. You know, it's like, I just, I'm going to do it how I feel. Yeah. I think that's the way to go. It's just, yeah. it's just that it's not, I, I don't think it's something they've done before where they've gated this much stuff behind like, serious late game progression okay um so you know it, it's it raises questions when you see stuff like that going around and people urging you to do a certain thing of like am i am i missing out by not doing this like what is this you know it's one of those games that i i so far haven't I, i'm not playing this thinking i'm gonna play it again so uh, yeah. i'm not i'm not sure it's not hooking me that much where some other games like Baldur's Gate 3 is like, man, I, I'll keep playing this with different character classes and, and go through all this stuff. So, so far, I don't know. But maybe that late game stuff would change my mind. I, I really don't know. I, it's more of the mechanics, the stuff we just all talked about that take me out of that um, narrative environment. But I'm curious what their roadmap is for this stuff. Like, I would be completely shocked if beyond bugs fixes, they're not going to go back in and add some stuff over the next five years to this game. I know they they did another announcement right about um, going back to Elder Scrolls right in like the like hey in like twenty thirty like that's you know don't expect anything too soon but we've we've got a game on a whiteboard somewhere oh did they say that again I feel like something came out somewhere uh, where it's like you know sure okay like uh, we just got through Starfield launch yeah yeah I mean yeah they they always put a lot of DLC out but it's always like story content. Or in the case of Fallout Four, they put out some like building oriented yeah, content. Yeah, there's as that well. base building stuff. Yeah, but I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not expecting any kind of like long roadmap, like rearchitecting how space works or anything like that. I could see them doing things like build, get your own space station because they have those yeah, already. Yes, yes, so, stuff stuff that works within the existing framework. I could definitely yeah. see 
but like, are they going to let you manually fly down onto a planet like people want? Like, I'm almost certainly not. Are they going to revisit? Is there a game or something on a whiteboard that is Fallout 76, but Starfield that is multiplayer? Because mm. that could be an interesting thing for them yeah, to try. Possible, actually. I don't know. Yeah. Like seeing other, showing off your ship to other people seems like it could be a God, cool that thing. That does sound like something that could happen, actually. But, uh, that's that's a lot of that's add like a thousand more plates to spin right at the same time with multiple people zoning in and zoning up. I still enjoy it. I I think it's a uh, it's about I'd say it's about what I expected um, at this point. I think I wish there were a little bit more um, flow between the. That's my major complaint out of all the things we talked about. The flow between the different parts of the game um, don't feel as connected as they maybe they could be but it's when i look at it i'm like yeah that makes sense mechanically this seems like a nightmare to have you transition to all these spaces maybe if they didn't have to make it for the s <laughs> maybe uh yeah, no maybe absolutely they could, not maybe they could stream nope. all that stuff in nope it's, the it's their tech i they're they're on that same engine on their bethesda engine yeah the creation engine still still pruning the lewis scripting out of that thing mm. slowly but surely uh, Starfield out officially today for on the Game Pass, and I think for anybody who wants it that was not on that early um, premium edition that got you the the early stuff. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back and talk about a few more games here. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Factor. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. Do you guys know what Factor is? <laughs> I do. I thought you were about to ask if I knew what food is. Do you also know what food is? I've heard of it. It sounds and cool. Do you know what food can be? Factor's here. Factor is here to tell you what food is and can be. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door we've gotten some factor before i've actually mm -hmm. found it to be quite tasty and delicious and convenient um mm -hmm. you can put it in the toaster oven put it in the microwave i did the toaster oven it was ready i think in the toaster oven was ready between like 10 15 minutes pretty quick you can choose from over 34 weekly flavor packed fresh never frozen meals ready to eat in two minutes you can level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Ooh, you can treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Not that regular butter, truffle butter. Round out your meals and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes bacon and cheddar egg bites Ooh, potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet oh man oh, factor man. what are you what are you doing to me factor with factor you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice they offset 100 of their delivery emissions source 100 renewable electricity for their production sites and offices and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals Head to factormeals.com slash nextlander50 and use code nextlander50 to get 50% off. 
That's code NEXTLANDER50 at factormeals.com slash NEXTLANDER50 to get 50% off potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Thanks, Factor. And we are back. And have you guys heard of this game called Shadow Gambit, The Cursed Crew? No. I actually have not. Do you remember a game called Commandos? I've heard of it. <laughs> Vaguely were aware. You, were you guys fans of, of that genre? Was that it's like called, was that like the Jagged Alliance style of strategy game? I never played a lot of Jagged Alliance, but if it's the like you got a crew and each person has a specialty. I haven't I haven't played either one of them, so I'm talking out of okay. my ass, but it's more like it's like um, you know, you got you got a bunch of people, they each have a spe- a desperados. Did you guys play okay. that? All right, sure. Uh, that kind of game. I like those games. I, uh, uh, Shadow Gambit, the Cursed Crew is that type of game, but you're pirates. Okay. And you're okay. cursed pro- pirates. So you have all these cool abilities. I'm not super duper far in it, uh, but I've enjoyed the setting, the tone, and the mechanics of it so far. And it's to shorthand it, it is very much a Desperados and Commandos style game. It's like, uh, it's like just. It's like just this side of Sea of Thieves toward realism, it looks like, but still but still fairly cartoony. It's pretty cartoony. It's a little more Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, yeah. in its kind of tone and that era of swat or that that narrative of swashbuckling of cursed pirates, let's say. Do you, uh, do you yeah. believe in class based tactical games? I do. You're in one. I thought I did. <laughs> uh it's it's a fun it's it's forty bucks. I'm playing over on uh, the Epic Game Store. Uh, it's neat. I think the the voice acting's pretty good. The abilities are pretty fun. What you're doing, the world they set up is pretty interesting. Again, with you you being cursed undead pirates versus this kind of cult of religious zealots trying to rid the world of the the cursed undead pirates and trying to find gold because you're yeah, a pirate. Thought, this looks pretty cool do you like get to pick which characters you take into a mission yes okay. uh as you assemble your crew you get more than you can take so you kind of pick the classes and it does a good job i think in ui and I, i'm playing on a controller on the pc um of mapping the controls which you know might seem like a tough thing for some of these games but it's it's done well on the, on the controller uh and explaining hey look this is a class of character you're probably going to want to take one of this type of character I think they called one of the like it's a uh basically a distraction class it'll distract characters from their path and that's like an easy thing uh or something you'd want in your group so it's fun I, i'm really having a good time with it 40 bucks uh available on the playstation and xbox i'm playing over on the pc came out middle of last month in august um fun little one thanks for everybody who recommended for, for me to check that out enjoying it another one uh, that kind of snuck out there. Wasn't sure this was a real date. Turns out it was a real date. Trine 5 came out August 31st. Um, and Trine 5 is very Trine 1 and 2, which is the bad one? 3? Uh, 3 is the one <laughs> nobody liked, or very yeah. few people liked. I don't remember playing 4, but Four's 5... Good. Five seems very good so far. Four, um, four was four was quite good. It was also the point where I was like, okay, <laughs> I love these games, but also they've made a lot of them. Like I didn't finish four. Okay, like, I, I devoured one and two. Three was what it was, and then I played like half of four, and I was like, this is still cool, but 
it's very much that. And then I saw that they were making a fifth one. And I was like, I don't know if I can do a fourth one of these. So it's uh, very similar. If you've played Trine, you, at least where I am, which is still very, very early on, um, you have the three characters, the uh, thief, the knight, and the sorcerer, and they interact with the world in unique ways, and you use those unique ways to get through physics-y puzzles on a on Trine 5 in a 2D locked plane. Yeah, um, yeah that, and, was, that was the three experiment was, trying to make it a third-person 3D-ish more yeah, kind of game. And I remember that. Rejected that strongly, and they went straight back to side-scrolling. It works. It's fun. Uh, from what I've played so far, the, the physics-y puzzles are fun, and the swapping is good, and I'm gonna can't wait to play this with my kids with three at a time. There are two modes when I booted it up. One was like, hey, there's unlimited character mode where like as many up to four players and you can have multiple of the same character at a time. And then there's uh limited or I guess traditional where it's three players and you can't have, you know, a duplicate character in there. Right. And I just, feel like that's how I want to play it. Yeah, I just I wonder if there's anything like truly new about it. I couldn't remember like what all the abilities were from the other trines. Yeah, like, I mean, did the knight have a rush? That seems yes. new. Oh, yes. okay. He's had that shield bash for a while. Okay. At least since four, if not before, before that. And I'm not, I'm not seeing much on the scene page that's new. Like even four felt like, you know, it was iterative. Like there were some new, some, some interesting puzzle scenarios and stuff like that, but it still very much felt like the same core abilities. <laughs> Wizards still making those weird looking clockwork Baroque boxes and planks. Yeah. You can't just make a wood plank, man. You got to make like, this like weird ancient technology looking thing that's made out of gears and screws. So I, I like these. I liked one. I didn't play as much of two, but it, it was, it was similar, similar. I didn't play much of three or four. So I think I'm ready to go into five and especially with the kids to, to yeah. kind of a crew of three to go that's, in. Seems maybe, fun. Maybe that's a good way to look at it. Just like, Hey, they're still making trying games. You can just dip in and out whenever you feel the urge. And they've always been fairly aside from some, I remember in trying one, some fairly, you know, head scratcher puzzles. They're fairly forgiving. Like, I don't remember it being anything that the kids would get so frustrated with timing wise, especially if you're playing multiple people at the same time. Uh, it's 30 bucks. I think it's on everything. Uh, I was playing again on the PC with the controller. Uh, I should double check and make sure that it has online. I has to, right? I guess it doesn't have to. Um, cause I was, all I saw were the local join menus. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm going to look up right now. Try and five have online play. So we should get together and try some try and five. Um, I think we should try it out. Yeah, we should try it out. Uh, yes, it does have online co-op. Okay, and land co-op. Man, the the return of land. Great, everybody get. Didn't your- see that one coming. <laughs> no, uh, get your multiple PCs everybody, up. Direct connect. Yeah, everybody, get your IPX network set back up. <laughs> it's uh, between Boulder's Gate and Trine. Uh, also, Shadow Gambit. I said this about uh, uh, Starfield, Boulder's Gate as well. Quick save from the menu. I like it. Uh, Shadow Gambit just says a quick save mapped right to a button. Just controller quick save. I love it. I, I, well, last thing I'll say about trying just looking at the footage, it does still look beautiful. It's great. It's, like it's, those, uh, those games have always been incredibly good looking. It's cool. And I like their environments and their cartoony look. Uh, very quickly here, Baldur's Gate came out on the PlayStation 5. And the only reason I really want to mention this here, aside from me still continuing to really enjoy Baldur's Gate 3, 
is I was in a rush to get home because I was going to play Baldur's Gate 3 with the family. It came out on PS5. I was ready to jump in there with some um, multiplayer because it's split-screen co-op on the PC, split-screen co-op on the PS5. I was ready to jump downstairs, have my kids play on the PS5, join their game. Let's go. I was an idiot, and I should have looked this up beforehand. There is no cross-play between the PC and the PS5. Currently, the thing I could find was like a tweet from Larian being like, we'd like to get that in. That's not really a thing we have ever planned for launch. It would mm. be nice. To, it would be nice to do thing. Right? It's a nice to have. Yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of other people who also want that. So it's probably on some roadmap somewhere and officially will be. I hope at some point, maybe when the Xbox version comes out in 20 XX, but like as of now, PlayStation five owns it. So I, tried to find some different options. I talked about this on next week's ramble cast, but wound up getting another PC built, uh, to, up to snuff to launch Baldur's gate and doing a land connection with the kids to get that all moving around and their own steam account. I was almost, almost being like, eh, is it time to have a second PS five in the house? And then I was like, there's no, there's no, no, no I no, don't know that really there's not. ever a right time for that sort of thing. Well, Ooh, the right time for that would be PS five pro or whatever. Wait till and even release, then. at least wait till this new model comes out. Yeah. But, but they've said, they've said, don't expect any price cuts. Right. Or so, uh, that was, I think that was Phil Spencer saying that, but like that's, I'm, that's, that's common across everything. Like consoles are not going to get cheaper for a while. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, just a buyer beware heads up. Um, you are probably smarter than I am and knew this already, but if there's no connection between the PS five version currently and the PC version, um, to play, Boulder's Gate 3. So they've been playing Boulder's Gate 3 on the PS5 all day. <laughs> that they have. Yeah. <laughs> must be nice. It must be nice. Uh, um, that game looks pretty good on there. Yeah. Does um, it run well? I, I, you know, I, I saw it for all of five seconds before. Um, for their own dad, like, get out. Yeah. Well, yesterday too, when I got home and it was like, I then spent two hours getting it running on the PC after I realized ah, I'm an idiot. But it looks nice. It seems to be running well. Uh, they're playing split screen, so I don't know if that's the best way to report back on uh, the fidelity of that game. Uh, but it seems to be okay, and they're enjoying it. I, I played with the controller for a long time, going back and forth on the PC. I couldn't get the cross-save stuff to was, work out of the gates. I was going to ask if you had tried that. I signed into my Larian account. I had cross-save enabled on both the PC and the PlayStation 5. But by the, again, I was only in it for like 10 minutes. I didn't even reload the game to see if I needed to reboot it. Um, but I did not see my save show up. Uh, okay. I know my saves are sinking somewhere into the Larian cloud because I see that happen on the PC when I play. So I did not see them pull it back down. Uh, I, I, fingers crossed, right? I mean, that people would be going ballistic, right? If that were not working because they, that's something they have promoted. Uh, but yeah, yeah. PS5 is out there. Let's hope. The Xbox makes it in 2023 mm. now that they have yeah, bro maybe. broken all of Microsoft's plans for keeping parity on the, on the um, Series S and Series X. I think there are developers lined up that are like calling Microsoft now being like, mm. dude, like, you told me this wasn't an option. Bro. Lined up. I mean, I, I don't know that. I don't know that many of them have the newfound cachet of Larian necessarily in a way that they could try to get away with that. I mean, I bet Microsoft, Phil Spencer, and Xbox games are like, get this on this platform as soon as yes. you can. Yeah. I was reading a story that said uh, 
even they had they had dedicated and not an insignificant number of Xbox Microsoft employee resources to get that thing running. Oh yes, before I they, believe that. It's like that thing that thing is the dark horse game of the year contender. Look, at this point, like, I'm not even sure it's the dark horse at this yeah, point. It's been in well, early access for three years. It's a good I mean, game. I mean, from the 10,000 foot view, when you've got Tears of the Kingdom and Starfield sure. in the same year, like those are the obvious shoe ins. So for yes. this game to even be in that conversation is like crazy. I am surprised more people are talking because it's, I'd say, because it was in early access for so long that people didn't burn out on that early game content or. You didn't hear all the people who wanted to get in say their piece about it, but man, that thing really took off, huh? Uh, that's Baldur's Gate 3. That is, uh, again, out on the PlayStation 6 now. 70 bucks to get in the door there, and they, they offer their bigger bundle, obviously, if you want that. <laughs> Xbox still TBD. Um, but in the works, apparently. Uh, Brad Shoemaker, anything else you want to talk about? Um, oh, uh, I fired up... Um Jedi Survivor got a Jedi huge Survivor. update last night, yesterday. I think it might have just rolled out yesterday at the time of this recording. Uh, they have completely fixed that game. Probably Great. performance, tech and performance-wise. From what I saw, it's not like I played through the whole game necessarily. Right. But I've seen everybody else I've seen testing it has been saying the same thing. I assume Digital Foundry, in fact, they I saw them saying they're going to go back in and do some new stuff with it. Like that game had severe performance issues at launch on every platform. Mm-hmm. the performance mode on console is like a locked 60 FPS now. Like it's crazy how much work they did on it. That's amazing. Like, I, I have to, I have to give them props. That thing was really kind of messy at launch and it runs beautifully from, from everything I played. I can't remember if I finished that game. You did. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we talked about it. Okay. I can't remember what happens at I, the end of that game. I, I think you said it picks up a bit more, but it takes too long to get where it's going. The hell like even you're, happens? You were like, you were like, I can, you, I, come on, I can see where this is going. Let's just get to it already. You don't need okay, to drag this out. Okay, that's starting to ring some bells. Oh yes, 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 yes. Okay, it all came back. Yes, now I, I was gonna say I remember more about the first one's ending than I did about this one, and I think that holds true now that I have triggered those memories. Thank you, Brad. Um, yes. Okay. It's been yeah. a long year so far. Yeah, yeah that I, game that game didn't hit for me as much as the first one did. Yeah, that's a shame. I, I still want to go back to it, especially now that this is out. It makes it a lot easier to do. Uh, you know, I mean, it sucks to launch a game in a mm-hmm. very buggy, messy state to begin with, but props to them for actually putting the work in and fixing it. You think... Okay, sidebar question here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they put the, they put the time in. They put the resources in to get this to where they go. What is the, what do you think? And maybe devs can chime in or publishers. What do you think that conversation is like internally and with the public, with the publishing arm? That's like, look, we're going to put these resources in anyway to get this here. Can we push the release back? Is that a reporting thing at that point? Well, in this case, that was like two weeks before Zelda came out. Mm. So it very much seemed like they probably wanted it out before Zelda. And like not to hit when Starfield hits. Yeah. Right. Yes. I'm sure they, I'm sure they identified that earlier in the year was better for them sales wise. It's just like, um, or maybe, maybe you can put fewer resources in if you spread out the time, right? Like you, you have some people still working on those bug fixes, but you've released the game and, and you're, you're doing other stuff. I don't know. It seems the, like the wrinkle here that I just remembered is that remember they launched or they, they announced recently that they are porting this game to PS4 and Xbox one. 
Oh, yeah. So yes. they are having, now that I think about it, I'm not saying this descended directly from that work or necessarily, you know, but they are definitely are going to have to optimize, get this game running better anyway. So it's possible that some of this work was kind of parallel to that. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Like in the port, they found places to optimize. And yeah. Well, they, they actually, they flat out said like performance mode on console just disables ray tracing now, for example. So they, they, oh. they are turning features off to get it to run better. But like I did oh. side by side with perform with quality mode and like, it looks quite good in performance. Okay. Like you're not, I don't think you're missing anything to get the extra frame rate. That's Jedi Survivor. Is there anything announced for like a trilogy in this? Did they say already? Like, hey, join us back. No, they definitely have not like said a third game is coming. I don't remember what they said about sales for that. I think it did. I think it launched pretty strong. Uh, Yes, it was. It was big. Okay, was like the number one game in April from the looks of things. Uh, I wonder if they're going to try and wrap it up with a a nice trilogy. I I can go back and freaking remember what the hell i don't know i mean we're barreling toward this dave filoni movie so which one is that that's like the you mean on like the star wars movie roadmap yeah like what movie what 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 is what is that it's like it's like the let's bring all of the tv shows together in a movie basically okay. like filoni so like is kind of the orion and yes okay filoni is kind of like keeper of the flame currently of like most of the star wars stuff not all of it but quite a bit of it oh you mean the star wars cinematic universe yes the suku a bunch of a bunch of these shows that are ongoing right now are supposed to dovetail into a big movie like he's uh, going to direct at some point so like ahsoka is his undertaking right like he's the one show running that i mean ahsoka is his like i don't what's the term for like your favorite character that you created (laughs) Like there's oh, a lot of, your your special child. Yes, whatever it is, whatever the whatever the like fandom narrative term is for yeah. the character that gets all the special attention from the creator. Uh, oh, like that's kind of that's kind of, that's the reputation of his him and that character. I uh, with, the, with uh, not to go on too much of a side venture here, but I will just say that uh, with a lot of the Star Wars stuff, I have generally seen like either very high acclaim or almost universal dislike of what those TV things are. Ahsoka is the first one that I have seen people who normally don't like the bad Star Wars TV. Some of them really love it, and some people hate it more than they hate anything else, including Boba Fett. And I'm kind of I don't know what to make of that. I I don't know. I, I didn't even know it was out yet. I, I feel like Andor they're like, is the they're one, like midway the through that, the series right now. Yeah, episode four just aired. Okay, I feel like Andor is the one that brought Star Wars fans back in to be like, or at least the Star Wars fans I talked to to be like, look. I was really tired of the Star Wars stuff, but Andor is where I want to be with Star Wars. Some people like The Mandalorian. That that show seems to have its fans. I mean, no one really seemed to like Book of Boba Fett, and Obi-Wan seemed to kind of come and go. I feel like Mandalorian was very hot and then kind of fell off. Yeah, season three of Mandalorian did not hit quite as hard from what I've seen. Anyway, the point is plenty of, you know, that's, that's... they put Cameron Monaghan in that game as himself with the likeness and everything. And right. Like you keep thinking and like Deborah Wilson is in it, you know, like a bunch of like pretty well-known actors are in that game. Like they could very easily just reprise those characters in live action. And they almost assuredly point. will at some point. Look. Like I can't, I, I'm not going to say they're going to make a show out of them necessarily, but they could absolutely show up on, on the existing series or in that movie or something. Hey, look, this is a good segue into our next break here, but we'll see, depending on the state of multiple industries, whether uh, those characters will transition either from the film to video games or from video games to films. 
uh, as we talk about the news and what is going on with SAG-AFTRA and mm-hmm. the uh, um, the move into Strike World or potential Strike World. But we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with that news in just a second. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Bespoke Post. Alex Navarro, you know I love packages. I mean, I get them all the time. It's always an exciting time when a box arrives at your door. It is always an exciting time. Sometimes they open that box and it's from Bespoke Post. And inside that box, like this week, is a knife. It's a, a, you know, a thing I can use when I need to cut things. I think this one, I, this, I've i gotten more than a few knives from Bespoke Post. Are you trying this- to say that when you get a knife, the thing you need to do with a knife is knife? I might have gotten around to said that in a shorter way. I, yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, this one was a specifically a fishing knife, which means it's got uh, all the things you need to fillet a fish, let's say, or, or field dress a fish. Bespoke Post puts together a box of awesome. And things inside that box range from whiskey glasses, which I've gotten. I've gotten uh, incense things that I still have and use in my bathroom. Uh, and sometimes, occasionally, a knife uh, that'll go inside a kit that is themed because, Alex Navarro, you take a quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, and each box is valued at around $70, but you're only going to pay a fraction of that price. This is one of my favorite parts, Alex. With each Box of Awesome, you're supporting small businesses. 90% of everything that comes in your Box of Awesome is from a small, up-and-coming brand. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel at any time. To get 20% off your first monthly box, sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code NEXTLANDER at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Code NEXTLANDER for 20% off your first box. Boxofawesome.com. Code NEXTLANDER. Thanks, Bespoke Post. We are back. And we're going to kick off the news here with Volition. Apparently, Brad, what is the state of this storied and historic developer? Uh, Non-existent at this point which we all found out about roughly five minutes after all the Starfield reviews went up. Mm-hmm. Because forget waiting until 5 p.m. on a Friday to dump bad news. What if you put out your bad news right as reviews are hitting for the biggest game of the year? Has Okay, let me just pause you here. Mm-hmm. Has there been any like commentary about that officially nope. or oh, like, no. through channels? Because nope. it is kind of painfully obvious that strategy of like while everybody's playing starfield we're gonna we're gonna let this news dribble out here as reviews are going up and streams are happening if you're being charitable and i'm not sure that i'm going to be here but i will just say if their only other interpretation i can think of is that uh they chose this particular day uh specifically because it was the last day of the month and maybe they did not want to have to pay out extra payroll or health insurance for another month it certainly could have been somewhat coincidental in timing, but, but even the, then, the even hour, then to wait, in, to wait until the exact moment, because because when you know when we got review codes in, like part of the embargo was like, hey, you can tell people when the embargo is, like, right. yeah, that was known for two weeks. Yes, like I, it, 
it may well have been that they needed or wanted to get this done before the end of the month, but that specific announcement timing seems like a hell of a coincidence. It is know. it is astronomical, the odds uh, that it would have happened on that exact time at that exact day. Anyway, they shut down Volition effective immediately. Like, yeah. it just happened. And this is Embracer. They they yes. is Embracer. Yes, um, yes. We've, we've talked about it a bunch. Like, Embracer went around and bought up half the IP and studios in the industry. I mean, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not that much. Well, um, they, they bought up a lot of the middle of the, of the video game they, industry, a lot of the middle budget publishers. Mm-hmm. And in this case, Volition was not even an actual direct purchase by Embracer. They were bought by Deep Silver, yeah. uh, who then were swallowed up by the Embracer group. So in this case, it's like two degrees of remove from where they even actually made their original sale. Well, you know, so we, we talked about that that $2 billion deal fell through. We finally found out the, who that was with. It was Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And they've, you know... The CEO visibly flipped out and basically said, hey, we're going to have to tighten the belt a lot because we don't have this money now. And I guess you could have seen this coming then, but I still was it was a shock to see, honestly, for a developer this old and storied. Well, especially after they had just moved them under the Gearbox banner after, you know, the the issues they had with, with Saints Row at launch. They were doing some restructuring around that. And granted, I mean, they may not have made this decision had that deal not fallen through. But it seemed like their goal was, we want to keep Volition. We need to figure out a way to, you know, where where to manage them and how to get them kind of back to where they were. So they chose Gearbox for that. And that was just months ago. Like, that was not very long ago they made that organizational change well hey there were also layoffs at gearbox publishing so well there you go uh so this is part of it yeah this is part of embracers quote-unquote restructuring or as they says embracer says it they're restructuring and it sounds like the ip wise those things are gonna red faction saints Row. i'm sure we'll go into the other volition franchises but stuff like red faction and their ips and saints row are gonna move over to play on which correct me if i'm wrong is the new name for coke media I think that's uh, correct. Yes, God, I had forgotten about that. When you said that word, I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I had, completely, I had completely forgotten that Coke became Play On. Uh-huh. Like, it's a good, yeah. look, Coke Media was never a great name. Eh, no. I mean, certainly inspired plenty of arguments about how to pronounce it. Yes. Uh-huh. But Play On, P-L-A-I-O-N. I think we talked about this when they changed their name last year or whenever it was. It's It's a goofy name. Anyway. Yeah, you know, of course, they'll they'll retain ownership of the IP and maybe they'll do something with some of that IP at some point eventually. But dude, like if you just go to volitiongames.com slash news and look uh-huh. at the news story about this, it's insane. Like, look at it on their news blog. A post titled farewell. The thumbnail just says placeholder image. And, and the description of that blog post is like some CSS or something. It's like some formatting code. It's not like the actual text description of the post is not there. It's like part of the underpinnings of the page showing through like everything about it looks like they just had to slap this farewell message together as fast as they could before they lost access to the internet in the office or something. Well, they absolutely yeah. did because if you look at the image next to it, it's volition celebrates 30 years. Here's to another 30 years. Like just literally the story next to it. It's just, it's just a real visual, you know? Yeah, this post titled farewell that is like barely completed in their back end. It's man, 30 years. Volition's been around for a long time. They did a lot of beloved stuff. 
30-year studios are not that common these days. I'm not going to say we should have played Free Space 2 on our uh, Patron's Choice stream, but... Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't. What was it? Oh, gosh, Parallax? Was that uh, the what they were when they did Descent? Oh, gosh. I'm not sure what the lineage is there. I think, uh, it, I think, it was, I think they were, were part of them were Parallax, and there was Descent, and then they were. That might be. Yes, that time, is right. They, oh, God. I, I, never, I don't think I ever actually realized that Parallax became Volition. And then it was Free Space. I never played the Summoner games. At least not to my memory. I don't remember playing the Summoner games. I love Free Space and Free Space 2. Uh, Red Faction, I think, is a great mm-hmm. game. I think Red Faction Guerrilla is a is a even better game. Um, the Punisher is that the Punisher? Of the I don't remember that one. I don't remember that. That I do remember that one. That's the two thousand. That's like the PS2 Xbox one, right? It's two thousand. Sorry, let me bring up a list of their games. Yeah, yeah. That's that's that but that one. That's the one I have the PC copy of, uh, which is one of the most ridiculously violent video games I've ever played appropriate um, um that was yeah 2004 and then then they they hit i think they hit traction with saints row obviously or well, at yeah. least saints row 2 let's say i think uh, saints I, row you know, G- was, it was i've people, got a special place in my heart for the first saints yeah, row but it was like gta adjacent and yeah. i feel like it hadn't really had no, its own dna I, quite yet no 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 it was not gta adjacent it was gta it was. It was GTA. <laughs> it was just GTA like, without the Housers and their writing. I mean, like that's what it was. But I mean, it had. I kind of, I kind of it admired had the territory control. Yeah, it had some ideas. Like they, sure. they were the they were the first ones to do that. Like the the guided open world. Like set a marker and we'll show you the path to drive yes, stuff in your car. But that's um, why people like that game, and people speak of it more, I think, fondly now, is that the thing with that game is it lacked the soul. It did not have the personality yet. They did not figure out I, what the tone of it was yet. It did have Keith David though. It did have it, Keith David. And also, it figured out mechanical things that GTA up to that point had not. And so, mm-hmm. like, it was almost like playing a more thoughtful and a more thoughtfully designed yeah. GTA. Yes, like, that was pre-GTA 4. It absolutely played better than any GTA game on the market at yes. that time. Yeah. Narratively, it wasn't going for the same stuff that arguably GTA was maybe doing better. It was a lot goofier, and but also... It hadn't hit the really goofy stride yet. It was no. still like it was still like cliche '90s gangster stuff. It was yeah, just yeah. leaning into the tropes. Like two, two uh, is where that stuff started creeping in, and then three obviously went full bore. Yeah, and then right, Saints Row the Third. I think so. Th- let's see. I'm looking at a list of games now. So Saints Row Two was 2008. Saints Row the Third was 2011. In between there was Red Faction Guerrilla and Red Faction Armageddon. Uh, I don't think Armageddon was as good as Gorilla. No, I I reviewed. No, it was a very different. It was a very Gears of War style Mm. linear story action game. Uh, But Gorilla was great. And that, you know, the destruction in Gorilla was a lot of fun. I I should go back and check out Red Faction 1 and 2 because those games were those games were like super notable when they came out. Mm. Like I remember playing the first Red Faction when it first came out, like in the heyday of like the first kind of first big wave of. Uh, PC first-person shooters, or at least like the first decade of them, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is something I've never seen before!" Like blowing holes in these walls yeah. is kind of awesome. Geomod technology—it's the <laughs> future. Uh, then Saints Row Four, and then get Saints out of hell, get out of hell, and then Agents of Mayhem. And get then... out of hell was the first moment to me when it was like, "Okay, this is like," because I like Four a lot. Yeah, I think Four is very like good. Saints Row, I like Saints Row Four more than a lot of people. I think. Um. 
but then Get Out of Hell came out, and I was like, I don't know if I need to play this. This doesn't look amazing. I And, th- and then yeah. it was downhill from there. I think but. for me, from there, I think the thing I... I will give them credit for, which, I mean, look, a lot of the creative talent changed in the years between Saints Row 4 and where they were at the time when when Saints Row, the reboot, came out. But, you know, when they did try other stuff like Agents of Mayhem and with this Saints Row reboot, they did take big swings. I'll give them that. Like, they did not just make more generic things that were sort of like the games that they were successful with. I don't think either really worked out very well, but, you know, with, at least with that Saints Row reboot, it felt like they were trying to reestablish themselves and get themselves back to a better place. They just didn't have enough time to make that game good, like, in, you know, like from a technical standpoint, especially. And it just feels like they're just kind of having their legs cut out from under them before mm-hmm. they could ever really get their head above water again. And it just feels like shit, man. Like, like I said, 30-year studios, there aren't very many of those. Yeah. And... I mean- Whatever struggles so, they may have had, there was a reputation and I think a certain amount of clout there that it just makes me sad that it's like unceremoniously dumped this way feels real fucking bad. So they were bounced around a little bit, right? And we've mm-hmm. talked about the problems of consolidation where like when you're attached to the big ship, the big ship will jettison shit without, you know, without a lot of thought. Reg- yeah, without well, with some thought, but like you no longer become the storied studio, right? You're yeah. just your head count and stuff like that. But would they have survived on their own? I, I really don't know. So they were what? They were THQ, and they were, after that whole thing, they were Deep Silver. And then, like you said, Alex, Deep Silver got picked up by, by Embracer. Embracer. Yeah. And they were struggling with Agents of Mayhem. You know, they that didn't that didn't go anywhere, really. No. Uh, it was a swing. It didn't work. It didn't know. work. They tried again with Saints Row. I, I think that... I honestly think that it could have been similar to that first Saints Row, where it's like, if they had put out a reasonably polished game, even with that story, you know, I think that they could have knocked out a sequel that probably could have got people pretty excited. But releasing it in the state it did, I think, killed all its momentum from from the get-go. They clearly needed more time on it, and it just did not happen for whatever reason. And I think that, unfortunately, they became a scapegoat in, you know, a larger problem at Embracer, which is that Mm -hmm. money they expected to be there is very much not. I think money they expected to be there very much not. And also this, like, I think, like you said, buying up this tier of developer. Yeah. And then basically flattening everything out. It's a weird, it's so weird because I was just reading their Wikipedia article and it's bananas where it's like, I'm just, I'm just going to skip to the deep silver part where it's. Several IPs owned by THQ, THQ filed for bankruptcy. So t- several IPs, including Volition's Summoner and Red Faction, were acquired by Nordic Games, later known as THQ Nordic, right? Mm-hmm. And that was at auction. With the purchase of Coke Media by THQ Nordic, now Embracer Group, in February 2008, Volition and their IPs were reunited back under the same company, but responsibility of Red Faction moved directly into Deep Silver. So it's like, it's like carving up the turkey and then trying to put it back together and then like you know who are the same people that are even there it's just such a mess and i feel like embracer has if you go look at play on or coke media their list is also ridiculous right yeah The, the companies they own that are now under really one roof is kind of scary when that thing starts to topple I don't know, obviously, all the ins and outs of a lot of these deals, mostly because, you know, Embracer is not 
always the most forthcoming about what a lot of is going on at that company. But like, I, you know, as, as let's just say as someone who was once, as we were all once part of a company that was bought up in a spree of what would be considered buying up distressed assets, <laughs> uh, the, the whole embracer thing has that feel of like tech company sees a vulnerability somewhere or, you know, sees like a weakness in an industry and feels like they can consolidate a bunch of that stuff together and turn that into a power brand. And I understand, like, we joke a lot about Embracer and sort of the way that they bought up, uh, like, siphoned up a lot of studios, which, whether they were distressed or not, they were definitely not in a position to turn down, like, giant money deals. Uh, or, you know, I'm sure, like, stuff that gave some of the owners of those companies stakes in whatever Embracer so, was doing. Sometimes I've heard these are lifelines, right? Yeah, like they're, they're totally. Strong, I mean, making in some cases, I bet they hard. were. Yeah. yeah, in some cases, I bet they absolutely were lifelines. But I'm genuinely of the opinion now, based on this and based on everything that happened with this supposed Saudi deal, I think Embracer might just be bad for this industry. I think the model that they are applying, and I think what they are trying to do here, is a net negative for video games. It's... Definitely has the vibe of trying to feed a black hole. Yes. Right? Like, like you, you need to return so much that, you know, you will, it's, it's an infinite well of, uh, of dumping money into, I really don't know. I, again, so for some companies, I know it has been a lifeline. I've talked to some people personally that have been at companies and be like, look, like we were at, when we were at giant bomb, you know, being acquired was like a goal. That was like a goal for the people who owned it, not us. Mm -hmm. but the people, but the people who, who owned it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, that's, I don't, I can't read everybody's mind, but I agree with you, Alex, that massive consolidation when, like I said, when those things go weird and I feel the same way with Microsoft, when they, when they turn in a way, it's, it, it ripples down those smaller companies that were acquired in, in ways that, I guess now can be kind of expected, but maybe you don't realize at the time. Not to be all fucking small business evangelist, but like a healthy industry needs a middle, you know, like yeah. a healthy industry needs a middle tier of business that is not just the gi most gigantic AAA stuff in any context and the in small mom and pop, you know, four person developer. Like there needs to be the ability to make middle budget content and games and art and all that stuff. And it's just... When you put all of that, like that whole section of an industry under one banner, you are leaving a lot of things vulnerable in that situation. And I just, it feels like it's made the industry very top heavy and, you know, and in some cases very bottom heavy. And there's just no room for anything like for people of like a middle tier publisher to just put out $40 games, you know, because now there's only really one publisher for the most part that does that. It's time to, it's time to mob all this shit. Yep. <laughs> just come in and break it up and you have a bunch of baby embracers i i mean you guys tell me because you're so much better at remembering your industry but does it just feel like the the like publisher developer model is not where it was 20 years ago where i think you know i think the lack of necessity in printing discs has made the publisher in a lot of ways somewhat superfluous um outside of certain i mean that's that's true in the, in the united states at least I mean, you don't have production and distribution to worry about anymore, but there's still marketing and testing and yes. QA support and, and a bunch of and other funding. stuff that probably, yeah, yeah, on top of actually paying to get the game made. Uh, yeah. So there definitely are still plenty of use cases for a publisher there, but. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I feel like the middle tier used to get deals with a publisher that would foot some of the, you know, yeah. some investment. They'd sign a deal with in. like Chemco to put out their game <laughs> for like 30 bucks on the PS2, you know, but like. wouldn't it necessarily then buy them. Yeah, exactly. You know, outright. 
Yeah. Uh, but again, also we heard a lot of horror stories. There are a lot of small mid-tier publisher or developer closures. Yeah, look, I'm not here saying that, like, you know, everything was rosy, which is exactly, you know, because it clearly wasn't because these companies became, you know, available in a way that they might not have been in a healthier industry. But it just, I don't know, like it, it, the whole thing, I, you know, it, I, I've been very middling on the whole Activision Microsoft thing because that just feels like a giant thing swallowing a gianter thing or the other way around. But like. With this stuff, it's just those companies being the most vulnerable feels like it is just carving out a very, like, I, I still think an important section of this industry, the ability to make games outside the realm of just, it's me and five of my, my closest, you know, working companions and 350 people working for five years on one thing, you know, like, it's just, there has to be some kind of gra- gradient in between that. I wish I knew more about it. It just sounds rough out there. Like, you watch that. Uh, double fine documentary, right? And yeah. it just seems like and the scraping, shit they were going scra- through before yeah, Microsoft like scraping came along. by and and you know just struggling to. It sounds like this is an actual closure, at least according to no, it is, here, and not a reabsorbing and moving no. around of people. So, uh, g- best of luck to all the people who are still at Volition because it sounded like, uh, according to one of the articles here, that you know over a hundred people at least by the time they were putting out Saints Row, it was yeah. like up to two hundred. I don't know how many of those. We're still there by the time this happened uh, and how much lead time they got, but uh, hopefully they all find employment somewhere. Embracer. Boy, it's it's always, every time we go and really try to look at Embracer stuff and try to go dig through their companies, it is, it is a web, man. And it's a, it was a fast spreading web. It is so weird. I, we talked about this a little bit, but like, Coke Media slash play on Starbreeze, Flying Wild Hog. Like Yeah, they, I mean Deep Silver was going pretty hard on that stuff even long before Embracer came along. Prime Matter, which I don't even think I realized was part of Play On, uh, and then uh, by you know part of Embracer, because I feel like half the things I've seen in that middle tier are Prime Matter published uh games. Weird. Uh all right. Uh, Alex Navarro, we have, yes. uh, we are in the middle of a SAG after a strike. We have the Writers Guild strike going on. We have mm-hmm. the SAG striking in the Hollywood, in the film industry and wherever those contracts kind of permeate. Uh, why, uh, why is this next one in the news? Uh, because in the foreseeable future, we may also be in a situation where sag is striking against, uh, a group of video game publishers. So this is this is mostly relates to voice acting, performance capture, and, yes. and trying to get near parity, get online with some of the other stuff they're fighting for. Yeah. So there is an existing bargaining agreement with uh, a number of publishers that are part of a sort of a, I guess, like a labor negotiating group for mm-hmm. places like Activision, Electronic Arts, WB, uh, Take Two. But not everyone is in this group. Like Microsoft is not in this group. Nintendo is not in this group. So they, I assume they are in negotiating their deals separately on a case by case basis. That's my limited understanding of how this stuff works. So uh, they are currently have been they have been in the process of uh, collective bargaining with this group of publishers, and uh, similar to the issues that they ran into with. The film studios, uh, most notably around compensation increases uh, and the limiting of AI use in uh, the kind of work that these uh, labor unions do, uh, 
um, they are running into the same situation where those publishers are kind of balking at those specific things that they need for their deal. Uh, so what has happened here is that we are not on strike as of yet, but uh, they have essentially given authorization for a strike vote should that need arise. They are still in the process right. of negotiations. Uh, they will be bargaining again as of September 26th. And depending on what they come to the table with and what uh, you know the counteroffers are and whether there's any movement at all, uh, they could be voting on a strike pretty soon after that. Sounds like those 10 companies are, are part of that initial contract. And yes. that's why th those are the ones there. I don't really know what that means outside of, like you said, Nintendo and Microsoft, what that means for them in terms of. Well, again, know. I think what's probably happening there is that those deals are being negotiated separately, separately? not okay. as part of this group. Um, but like, you know, they have not said anything about like, we are also going on strike against these other companies or anything to that effect. And I think. Until given guidance otherwise, uh, the assumption should be that they will be striking against these companies in particular. Um, but, you know, we'll see if it actually comes to that. I mean, I don't know. Right now, I would say my theory is that uh, the video game companies, despite seeing the PR beating that the, uh, the various film studios in their heads have gotten during the course of this, will probably not budge much on where things are at. I... Based on this list of companies and the people I know who are in charge of them, I don't see a lot of wiggle room for them saying things like, well, you know, maybe we should just replace everyone with AI. Oh, you mean they'll lean that way? I, I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if some of these publishers have it in their head that like, well, we could we more than any other industry could absolutely just replace a bunch of these actors and this work with AI stuff. So why should we bother? Or, or like, uh, uh, go outside of a SAG and, yeah. you know, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's, it's a big world out there. There are other unions. You can get European voice actors and actresses and, uh, other, totally. other places that aren't part of SAG. Yeah, totally. I think this is, this is a, I mean, they have the most, I would listen, I follow the video game industry more than I do the movie industry, but I feel like the voice actors have the most at risk or more at risk with AI stuff than. Oh yeah, uh, uh, the film industry because the, it's not a lot of it is not on screen. Like you don't see the yeah fooling yeah. fooling the fooling the ear alone is a lot easier than fooling yeah the, the and ear there, and the eye. And the thing are, they they cite in here also is performance capture actors, like yeah. you know people who mostly do stunt work. Uh, you know that is, I mean it's it you can't just replace motion capture with AI, but you can certainly take different approaches to how you animate stuff. Uh, and I'm sure that a they there are AI assisted tools for that sort of thing. I thought some of the things that uh, SAG uh, SAG after were putting in at least in their brief here were really interesting that I hadn't even thought about in mm -hmm. terms of what they're asking for. Things like having a medic on set for stunt work by performance capture. It's things that you'd think would already have been in there, but yes. you know, seeing it spelled out to be like, hey, you need if you're going to hire this person to do stunt work. You should have a, me a medical staff or somebody on set in case something goes wrong. What is it? Five minute breaks for every hour yes. uh, for voice work. Like that seems very reasonable to me. There's like, a wild, there's a wild one in here I did not know about, but apparently this was also a sticking point for stuff involving uh, the 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 studio strikes, which is to say that uh, apparently there is an ongoing thing. I assume specifically with stunt performance, though, or it might be similar things, but like people sending like audition videos with stunts uh, yeah. in them 
like with no compensation yeah being asked to do it with no compensation like that's kind of nuts that that is just an ongoing practice like people doing potential bodily harm yeah Uh, of like the escalation of that trend of asking for more and more uh ridiculous uh demo reels or like you know uh, proof of work stuff yes like those things i feel like when it when push comes to shove my my feeling is it is going to probably hang up on some of this ai stuff because if they go in i'm sure uh what is the uh conglomeration of the amazon netflix whatever that group is aam what is it fang no 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 the the the, the streaming the, groups yeah the stream oh, the, oh, oh, um that that group that uh they're basically negotiating yes. with yeah um, i feel like boy if the video game industry is just like, yeah, you know what? This is ridiculous. We're going to agree to some level of um, back and forth and negotiation on this AI stuff to make a tenable future for livelihoods really just undermines everything they are going for. So I wonder if those that consortium is talking to the video game one and be like, you have to hold strong, man. We got to do this together because um, they, they, I'm sure, do not want to break. No. And, you know... It's the one thing I'm not sure about with this one is that one thing that is very clear from the film and and TV studio strikes is that a big part of the reason they are digging their heels in so hard on this is because they absolutely do not want to reveal the actual numbers Mm. for anything, which is one of the things that's being requested, like more transparency on streaming numbers Mm -hmm. and how residuals are distributed based on that. Because especially on the streaming side of things, those companies were chronically underpaying people that were supposed to be getting residuals for stuff. I saw Aaron Paul say he makes zero money from Netflix streaming Breaking Bad. Yeah. Which is fucking crazy. I mean, that's that's I've I've heard those stories, you know, throughout of just like those contracts did not include any streaming points. And it's it's not even just the streaming stuff. They're they, like com- some of those companies were underpaying residuals, regardless. Like I think mm-hmm. it was there was a lawsuit some years ago. I only saw this in in passing, but the two stars of that show Bones, uh, the, mm-hmm. the 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 co- the cop procedural, it's David David Boreanaz on the show, and and I think Emily Deschanel, yeah, and they sued. I think because they had not been paid like some amount of residuals uh, that they had were supposed to contractually get because the studio was just underpaying them. And it ended up being something in the neighborhood of like $170 million going to two people. So, so I mean, let's not make any bones about it. Uh-huh. Uh, they're, th- these video game companies and a lot of them on this list are also in the business of making television and um, uh, uh, other properties of their existing IPs, right? You got Warner Brothers, WB Games on here, right? Which mm-hmm. I'm sure w- would love to turn mortal Kombat into more tv things and streaming things yeah take take two is on here um insomniac has put out movies you know they they ratchet and clank has been an animated movie uh epic i'm i'm sure has plenty of uh plenty mm-hmm. of ideas about what to do with their properties tim like, sweeney uh, seems to have some opinions about where he <laughs> thinks money should be spent yeah ea is on here i'm sure they would love something to they would mm-hmm. love some mass effect thing to happen uh you know <sighs> Uh, I don't know who, who is blind light LLC. Uh, they're a production services company. I looked them up. Okay. Like they do basically kind of, they're kind of full service direction, writing music, performance capture. Kind of okay. Gotcha. Okay. 
And then Activision Productions is on here, which I assume mm-hmm. is is actually part of Activision in some way. Yeah. So maybe in some small part, Microsoft does have a, a horse in this fight or race dog. Well, the the something. point the point I was going to make before was just that um, I don't think there's a transparency issue necessarily with the game publishers, though. I mean, they don't really tell anyone how many copies any game sells anymore to a real accurate degree, but. The fact that the idea of it sounds like residuals are a thing that like there is there's been some push toward that in in these contracts some kind of residual payments for this stuff and that seems like maybe one of the main things that like game publishers simply do not want to do which is give any additional money especially any long term money mm. to performers for their work. One of the other things that was in here, maybe along those lines, are um, it sounded and I wish I could find the exact wording on it but a little more um, consent and regulation on what you do with a digital representation of a likeness. That Uh, is going to be an increasingly sticky thing as we continue to move through this, you know, let's say dark future that we currently live in. Like, we've already talked, you know, I think at length about, you know, yes, AI is, is not great and computer spoofs of people still look a little weird, but we're barreling toward a degree of that stuff looking accurate enough in a way that is uh, alarming. And, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, companies that are very IP focused right now, the idea of owning images of people and being able to repurpose them in any way, shape or form, especially even just digital representations of those people like that stuff is going to get stickier and stickier as we go along here. I'm sure that's what's going on in the heads of studio executives, right? It's like they know the tools are not there yet, but they also probably are like, we just got to hold out a little bit longer. Yeah, like mm-hmm. if we can just string them along a little bit longer. We're going to get there, and then we'll be home free. The the language in in the, at least in SAG AFTRA's statement says the union is fighting for protective language in the contract that will require informed consent and appropriate payment for the creation and use of digital digital replicas. And for the training of AI systems with our members' performances. Yeah. So, like, you know, I I totally agree. And it's, like, one of those things where they – I think SAG, hopefully, it's smart about this and is not looking for, like, hey, if somebody mods me out, you need to be responsible. Or mods me in, you need to be responsible. Because that's I, – I feel like that's no, not fair. That was like, the shit that happened with that ju- the, yeah. the actor who played the lead guy in Judgment and his talent agency freaking out with the idea of his his model being on a PC and potentially available to other people. I feel like that's stuff that needs to be at least smartly negotiated where, like, look, you cannot be responsible for stuff that happens with modders, though – I think you can be responsible for in-game assets modeling things that never need to be seen in-game. And that's that's some of the stuff that has come up before in games where it's like, did you need a fully nude replica of this body when it's never in-game? Like, I don't right. think, you know, that's not something this character consented to or, you know, this is the argument it made is like, it's not your body, it's just your head. And it's like, come on. Like, you know, those yeah, are things like, that what are we like, doing here? What are we doing here? Uh, so we'll see where this goes. End of the month. Uh, yeah. I don't just judging from where things have gone in the film and and in the in the writing with the writers guild and sag just, just assume the strike is happening until something else happens would assume yeah. this is happening because like i said if it really is push putting in a lot of the language for ai stuff i just don't see that getting resolved where there's been zero movement or at least reported movement mm-hmm. um in other negotiations what does that mean for development <laughs> Nothing good. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, performance capture is such a big deal, and and likeness captures is, is such a big deal for so many games now. So we will see very very quickly. Um, I wonder if it'll affect just the ten companies that are on this list when when this when and if this happens. We'll see uh, when bargaining resumes on the twenty sixth. Uh, let's move on to some DLC news, Brad. Mm -hmm. All right. Of these two games, Final Fantasy 16 and Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which one do you think is getting two paid DLC add-ons and which one do you think is getting zero? So should I admit that I cheated and read ahead already? Uh, sure. If I had okay. not, yeah, if I had not read this story. Okay, okay. if you had not read the story, yeah. would you be surprised at the results? Yes. I, you know, maybe a little bit, yes, actually. I, I would I'm, split I'm, the difference and say one and one. I'm kind of with you, although, okay, Zelda is the one that's not getting any DLC. Yeah. Tears of the Kingdom is getting nothing. They're done with like, that it's shit. It's done. You get it's nothing. Done. Over. They I have mean, put all the fun they can put into that game. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am surprised to the extent that they probably could have made quite a bit of money on DLC for it, but also I was kind of surprised that the first one got DLC at all, because DLC just still feels like a kind of un-Nintendo-like un thing to do. Even though they are definitely doing it more often than they, not, they at are. least with expansion pack type stuff. Yeah, they are. The Mario Kart stuff. Um, I, Animal Crossing is still the big one to me where it was like, oh my god, you should have been pumping out DLC for this thing and you yeah. did nothing. They biffed that one. Um but anyway, people seem to like the Breath of the Wild DLC pretty well. Yeah, it's it was a, like it's got a, it's got a motorcycle in it. It was like um, a lot of yeah. It, it, I don't think it was anything too. It didn't like expand on the story of the yeah. I mean, like the second quest stuff, kind of whatever. But the yeah. extra the extra stuff to get and the, the funzy stuff. Um. Anyway, Zelda, yeah. they're done. They're, they they said like, hey, we've kind of done everything we can think of or want to do with this version of Hyrule. Um, which is good. Like, it's good to hear, you know, they're thinking about the next thing now, but obviously who knows how many years away it'll be. Yeah. Probably quite a few. Um, so yeah, kind of surprising, honestly to me. And then final fantasy, final fantasy 16 is getting two paid DLCs, which <laughs> sure. 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 Um, they just put out a big update for it. It's got a bunch of free, free DLC and it's, uh, if you want to change your weapon skins, actually there are like character skins in there that look kind of cool as well, uh, that you can swap out. I'm, I need to know that I'm back in town near my PS five. I need to get back to that game. Sure. I want to see the rest of it as my finger hovers over this new television button. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, that Let's would be see. a cool looking game to see on a new TV. HDR Clive. Uh, Yes. Uh, no, no info whatsoever about what the, the, like, it's literally like a sentence from Yoshida about the DLC will be coming. Also, they kind of reiterated that like PC development is actually happening. Like they had said before release that it was something they wanted to do. Mm. Uh, but he like formally said, yes, we are currently working on the PC version of this game as well. Like basically a stay tuned. Yes. So there's that. All right. Anyway, look, there you go. So just is, like more of that coming. It sounds like two games that hit very well uh, and did well for their companies. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how Final Fantasy is doing longer term. You know, there was obviously the, like, I hit in expectations, but not overwhelmingly so the week it came out. I wonder, what the, tail, tail. Yeah. wonder what the tail is like on that thing. 
Uh, speaking of long tail, very uh-huh. long tails. Yes. This next story, Brad. Yeah, I guess we can just run through this real quick. It's kind of nuts and bolts, but CD Projekt put out a little infographic about what exactly is free and what is in the paid expansion um, in Cyberpunk. For Cyberpunk, yeah. Here in a couple, three weeks. Uh, should I just read it? Yeah, oh. read, read yeah. it like quickly. The free, the free features are mostly the the new skill trees, you know, the like all the new AI stuff, like new police and vehicle combat and better UI and like better changes to the itemization around looting and crafting and all that stuff. Like it's kind of more of the nuts and bolts mechanics stuff is going out free to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like the least surprising thing in the world. It's like all the new content is part of the paid expansion. So Dogtown, the new mm-hmm. uh, actual district of the city, the new quests that go along with that. Um, I guess the one notable thing there is uh, the relic skill tree. That's the new thing that is exclusive to the paid expansion. So they've reworked all the existing skill stuff, but it sounds like I'm not super familiar. I think they talked about the relic skills I really during don't, the, the Gamescom stream. Uh, they talked about it a little bit, but I don't remember what those were exactly. But anyway, like that's the stuff that's going to be part of this paid expansion. So it seems like most of the gameplay relevant stuff that's not like story content will be in that free right free upgrade so you get vehicle combat but you get vehicle missions yes vehicle then, also also vehicle missile launchers will be a paid feature <laughs> it's a paid feature you want missile you can, launchers on your vehicle you gotta but pay you will have combat in the free upgrade but if you want that missile launcher yes you got you got pony up yes uh and increased level cap in the paid yeah, new, new level cap like a bunch of new weapons and cars and yeah. clothing and stuff in the paid expansion i like probably worth it to get that expansion if you're serious about cyberpunk i mean we'll see how it actually is when it comes out but you know and according to this infographic and much more mm. at the very bottom mm-hmm. so i don't know what else they got going on there i'm i'm kind of surprisingly excited to see how that me too. yes me too out. especially especially with that 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 being the most elaborate ray tracing mode out on any game now and to get all this new content for it it's like actually worth playing through mm. uh like that that is kind of exciting to be it's a it's a nice thing to see for maybe a second second wave or second breath of life into that thing, which I was very excited for. Kind of fell off pretty quickly, and sounds like all the reason in the world to go back to it now. Yes, I'd say what you will. I mean, there's plenty to say about the way that game launched, but they certainly support their products. Uh, and speaking of a second life or a, or the next thing. Our ambassador, our Mario ambassador has something to say. I'm just going to read this quote from Charles Martinet from Galaxy Con Austin. I am now a Mario ambassador. I don't know what that is yet. <laughs> I'm not retired as it were, but I am an ambassador. As we step forward into the future, we'll all learn exactly what that is. Does this sound like a man who willfully stepped away from the role of Mario? Not particularly. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe. I don't want to speculate too much, but it's a strange thing. If, if this were something that he is, this is, if that were a move that he had initiated and was fully on board with, is this really the thing you go out there and say in public? It could be a thing that's just like, I, look, y- yeah, it could okay. be he was tired of doing this and they're like, we've got this other role for you. We just do this thing. And he's like, okay. And they're just, they, you know, it's a Nintendo. They probably want to keep everything happy and fun, and or a yeah. bit on looking on the outside, happy and fun. We'll sure. make up this title, 
Mario Commodore, the Commodore, no ambassador. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Whatever it is, but here's your money you get every yeah, that's, month. And- that's fair. There is every possibility that he was ready to step away from the role and they kind of convinced him to just be like, Hey, what if we kind of keep you on like this? Yeah. You're not wrong. I, I like it. Like I said, I just don't want to speculate too much about what happened. But the part where he says, I'm not retiring for voice acting. Like I, yeah, that yes. Yeah, but dude, do you want to do <laughs> anymore? Maybe I don't he's think so he cares. Sick of it. He, he, well, in in the sense that it's not that I don't think he cares about doing it. It's that I think if he didn't enjoy doing it, he wouldn't keep doing it. Like, well, he's made uh, a lot of Mario money let, over the years. Let me let me pause you for a second. I bet and correct you guys definitely chime in on this. We've talked to people who've worked at Nintendo. Do you feel like Nintendo has some kind of contract that says you cannot do these certain things, these other voices? You could Charles Martinet cannot be associated with things that involve, you know, horror, this, that, the other thing that would limit the scope of the work he could do as a I as a don't voice actor. Think it has because I think when he has shown up in other stuff, it has been in other genres and other like. But he's not doing the Mario voice, obviously. It's just no. him doing it, being a voice actor. I don't think he's kept from doing other specific I mean I think the only thing he can't do is probably go be another mascot platformers like that yes I would say yes you can't go be in the new Sonic the Hedgehog game when that was a problem these days maybe that's not as much of an issue but you know like back when there was the mascot wars I feel like yes okay you can't show up in a Sega product let's see I'm looking at his he was in okay he was in from 2005 The Californians. This is uh he was in Dragon Ball Super Superhero. And he was in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Okay. Uh, other video game Oh gosh, there are no other video games. It's all Nintendo. Jesus, he's been on a lot of shit. Okay, like I'm looking for games that are not um that are not Nintendo games on this list. So we have <laughs> Dragon Ball Legends. Uh-huh. Runner 3. Uh-huh. Oh, I remember uh, that. Yeah, I remember that, too. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> it's so many video games out it, here. Yeah, and a lot of them are <laughs> Nintendo, to be fair. Resonance of Fate? I. It's too much. Anyway. It's in another Bit Trip Runner game. He was in Skyrim. Was huh. he? Yes, was he played Partharnax. <laughs> like, oh, is, he, that, I think, is that a dragon? That's amazing. He's also he's, 67. He's yeah. in Ratchet and Clank Future. Yeah. So even what I said about the mascot plan, yeah. at least in 2009, right, he seemed yeah, to have yeah. some, some access. So That falsetto gets harder to do as the vocal cords age. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe he was, maybe, maybe yeah. it was time to hang it up. I, did, look, did you guys, I mean, no, here's the real thing. Did you guys watch the clip I put in Slack? I did. It's pretty good. Like there's some it's like footage, footage of Super Mario Brothers Wonder uh, has gotten out there. I think it's, okay. it's like official footage, right? Like, is well, yeah, because like they were showing it at, at PAX. Do I have Do I have the name right? Is Brothers in the is in the name? I can't actually remember. Is it's not just Super Mario Wonder? No, it is Brothers. Okay, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Um, yeah, there's there's footage of the new Mario and Luigi. Well, is it also new Luigi? It is also new. It's all. I mean, because he did all those voices. Oh, did he do Luigi as well? Yes, I knew he did Wario and Waluigi. I didn't know. Yes, I'm pretty sure he Luigi. did Luigi as well. Anyway, you can hear the new Mario voice in this in footage of Wonder that's going around the, since mm-hmm. people have been previewing it, and it sounds exactly the same. Like it it's, re- really, you would be hard pressed to tell the difference. So, like if nothing else, that at least allays any concerns that Mario was just turning into Chris Pratt. <laughs> 
yet. There's a transition for period. For now. Yeah, for now. On the other hand, had had Martinet gotten expensive in, in his late in his career, did they decide it was time to do the Mickey Mouse thing? I think they were always going to make this move, and maybe at a certain point they just decided sooner rather than later, both for cost-cutting and, you know, just sort of, like, figuring out what they want to do purposes, but... Yeah, I, 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 I said I shouldn't speculate and then turn around and kept speculating. Is like, yeah. who knows? Because it's fun to do. Yeah, but... There is, uh, um... And anyway, like, the, the, like the, let's say the quality of product seems like it will be consistent. <laughs> Yeah, they are not changing this way Mario sounds radically by any stretch, at least not yet. You're going to keep getting the same wahoo that you know and love. There's this part on his, because I had his uh, uh, voice stuff open on his Wikipedia thing, which maybe you guys knew, I did not. In 2013, Martinet was evicted from his home in Sausalito following a legal dispute with the family of the recently deceased landlord. What? Dissatisfied with other homes in his pay range, Martinet remained homeless for the next five years focusing his time on game events. What? I guess he must have just traveled from hotel hotel to hotel. And just, what? I had no idea. Oh my God. And, he lives in Sausalito, really? Well, at, at one time in 2013, which is when we were there, right? Uh, yes. Uh, well, wait, that, wait, you're saying that's when he got Well, that was when out? he was out. Yeah, 2013. Okay, so yeah, he would have been there like the whole time. That Maybe he was at like the coffee lived, shop. Sounds like he lived there the whole time. Man. Like this, this says he... Traveled from Sausalito when he got like the audition for the first one or for the Mario 64 stuff. So Man. he was in Sausalito the whole time we were. Great. I can't wait to see what this Mario, Mario ambassador does. Oh man. Charles Martinet does not have an HTTPS. Sorry. Not going there. You're not secure. His website. Nope. Um, yeah, that new voice sounded. I, if you had told me that was him, I would have believed it. Yes. No, no offense to the man's talent, but um, whoever's doing that. I, look, here's what I really hope. I hope they sound, found some really good sound alike and are not just doing shitty things like with voice manipulation to make it sound like him. You know, uh, I've heard this AI can do, can do a lot of stuff. You think he'll get out there? You think there'll ever be a story from him? Yeah, maybe not. No. Maybe there's less going on here than it seems. Unless they're really screwing him in some way or another, I don't think he would ever go out of his way to jeopardize that relationship. It seems like they've treated him reasonably well over the years, and he really loves doing the characters. So I just I yeah. think it would take something pretty severe for him to ever speak out that way. Yeah, I feel like he's always going to have this like Stanley-style role where he's just going to appear in things that they're doing as they make the Mario movie empire dominate the world inescapable you'll find him there 67 67 years young uh that's it for the news we also have an email true. address it is it's also po- true podcast at nextlander.com podcast true. at nextlander.com mm-hmm. brad what uh what emails do we have this week here's an email from alice in los angeles I was thinking about how wild it was that the first Mass Effect launched with an entire universe of diverse aliens, each with their own communication, mannerisms, and cultures. Do you think a video game studio will ever put that much thought and pre-development work into a game franchise like this ever again? I don't know. I don't know. You think? I'm not sure. It's hard to say. Like, even at the time, it was extremely notable. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember there was like some, there was some hype around that game. Because of 
what they, you know, like I read, I read that, I read that prequel novel before it came out. So mm-hmm. by the time I got my hands on the game, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to see what the Citadel looks like. Like, I want to see what a Turian is like. They, they, they did a pretty good job of building out a fiction and hyping it up before that thing came out. You know, they'll attach writers to things that fill out. What was it? Um, gosh, Am- Amalor? Kingdoms of Amalur. Kingdoms of Amalur. Kingdoms of Amalur. Yep. Yeah, that had like or old old Bob Salvatore. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Like, sh- sure. Y- yes, yes, is my answer. Somebody will do it. Um, will they do it and regret it? Maybe <laughs> I don't know. But like, somebody will want to spend the money. Will they do it well? I don't know. Will they AI generate it? Oh, so no. Gosh. Oh. I'm just yes, saying, yes, look, we probably, just spent all this time yeah, talking about this. Where are they going to cut corners? Yeah, 60% of it. I don't know. Um, I, I don't but, know, man. Like, I feel like it's arguable that Mass Effect, when it came out, had more breadth and detail to its setting than Star Trek did after 40 years of Star Trek. Like, it's crazy. It is crazy how much is in the Mass Effect universe and how like well thought out most of it is. Well, keep in mind, Star Trek was making a lot of that up as it went, whereas Mass Effect started from the idea of we should have this rich textured universe like Star Trek has, (laughs) but start that way as opposed to just filling it out based on various psychedelic visions you have over the decades. Sure, sure. Uh, It's still still surprising to me they didn't do more with the Mass Effect universe. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, they did some stuff. A couple of other books. Yeah, there were books. There was a comic. Yeah, like they they didn't do nothing, but... I'm maybe TV show movie look, like I don't know whatever. Concerning what they what what could have happened, maybe uh maybe we're better for it. Nah, we'll the restraint was maybe good. We'll yeah, see. look, I think Witcher has some pretty good lore built into it. Um, yeah, I don't know that, about the yeah, cyberpunk that, lore. I mean, yeah. what the uh, I know that the cyberpunk board game and stuff like that. I don't know what CD Projekt Red has taken and you know adopted in there. Uh, yeah, I don't Carl, know. I'm I'm like that in my mind, that effort is like kind of singular. So it's, it could, it's of it an older, it's, it's of an older age for sure. It, it's of a age when games would come with a giant manual mm-hmm. and you'd go through even like, look, even, um, Starcraft had like, like fairly decent lore for their characters. Yeah. Like honestly, now that you mention it, we've said it before. Mass Effect is like two steps removed from the infinity engine era, right? Right. Like it. Yes. Yeah. Like KOTOR, the, the third, glue. Yeah. Like it's a third person shooter, but it's descended straight from and made by the people who made those overhead D and D games that are beloved and had so much lore attached to them. Yeah. So if that's the trajectory of things, then I'm going to say, no, we're not going to see that again. Also, also possible. Like if, if it's not an existing universe that they can license, are they going to whole cloth yeah. it? Hey, look, maybe, um, now and, that, you know, like they, they had had the Star Wars license for their last game and no longer had that. So also there was <clears throat> probably just some, some drive and impetus to come up with their own thing, right? That they mm-hmm. owned and not rely on licensees or licensors anymore. But there's, there's stuff that's out of my knowledge range that I don't know about. I don't know how, it seems like it's a fairly deep lore on the Divinity games. Like, you know, it seems, I don't know what like Path of Exile is like. I don't really know. Um, a lot of those RPGs that I don't have the time to play might have very intense, look, those JRPGs, I'm sure have a lot of lore books in them. And I just, because people talk about them all the time Mm -hmm. and they say words that I don't understand. And they're like, well, you'd get it if you, if you paid attention, if you've done the reading, if you've done the reading. So I don't know, but I am with you, Brad, 
Mass Effect, one of the only games that I ever wished I could just pay $30 for a codex application and mm-hmm. I would just sit there and have that guy read everything to me. I've said it before, the, the Mass Effect 3 site where you can just click a bunch of stuff and hear him read codex <laughs> entries is still up or was last time I checked. Like, I hope somebody's archived that site. <laughs> Worst thing that happened to that universe was Andromeda where everything that was distinct got mushed into one thing that came from the Milky Way, right? right. And then and then they all had to fight against a new thing. And then what they came up with to fill out that new galaxy was pretty bland. <laughs> pretty bland. Uh, all right, Brad, you got another email? So my, my answer is yes, but just because time is feels long. Sure. Uh, another email? Uh, this email comes from the Board of Questions. Okay. Okay. I'll put on my super, uh, super serious answering face. If you're inside Bumblebee, but he's letting you drive, are you yeah. controlling a mecha? No oh, way. I asked this question. Did you? I think okay. you did. did when you? He tra- okay. When he transforms, but now we're talking about when he's a car. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't specify the board does not specify here, but drive. Remember we talked about headmasters and you were like, wait, there yes. are people inside the headmasters. Right. Drive kind of implies car form. Uh-huh. I'm going to say no because there's no legs, right? You know why uh, I remember having this conversation? I do because I'm going to give you the exact same answer that I gave the uh-huh. last time we talked about this. Uh-huh. He is not piloting a mecha because at no point is there piloting. Because again, Transformers can drive themselves. They don't need uh-huh. the people to drive them. Fair. This is pregnancy. Okay. Did you say that last time? Yes. <laughs> Okay. That is more akin to pregnancy than it is piloting a mecha because you are be- it would basically you are just a human fetus being carried by a uh, giant robot vessel. Okay. And then you're birthed. Yeah, and then they spit you out, uh, you know, into the harsh, cruel world. Uh, in, at least with with you know with Bumblebee, though, it's outside the driver's side door. It's as opposed to uh, you know birth. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm going to say if you're a fully autonomous thing already, then yeah, that, that, then they're just pantomiming the motions really. Yep. You're, you're just making pretend, but in the headmaster case, it's a symbiotic relationship and the target masters, the target masters, the gun, the guys that are in the guns are better shots with that symbiosis going. So that is a, that's a, what is that? What's the thing when they, uh, the two pilots have to meld mind meld in Pacific rim. Uh, drift. They drift. They drift. Yeah, they drift. Drift's compatible. Movie. I just watched that movie again. It's pretty good. Think it holds up? That first one? I, yeah, I, I watched remember. it not that long ago. I remember okay. liking the first one a lot. Yeah. All right. Any more emails, Brad? Uh, let's call it there. Take that, board. Answer mm-hmm. your question. That's right. Yeah. Questions, board. Can't tell us what to do. No. Jeez. Read a book. Uh, no. That is going to do. <laughs> that is going to do it for this week's podcast. Again, uh, just a a little point of scheduling here. We are going to be off next week, which means we are going to have a Never Been a Better podcast from early in the season of Never Been a Better podcast. Cod, Codcast. That's a... Codpast? (laughs) I don't really know. Um, I think we're up to episode three up in the feed. That'll be in the main feed of uh, this podcast, of the Next Lander podcast. That'll be next week. I have a Ramblecast going up. Uh, no watch cast. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back on the other side of that with some Hong Kong brawlers, action movies. Let's call them action movies, action movies. 
Uh, the first one being Alex Navarro. Writing wrongs. Writing wrongs. And we are, uh, just for clarification, because you, uh, you clued me into that there are a couple of differences in the versions. We yes. are mostly watching which one? So we are watching the original uh, theatrical uh, Cantonese cut. There are two other cuts that have slightly different endings. Uh, well, actually, more than slightly different endings. Uh, we will probably talk about those, but you only okay. need to watch the original cut, which I believe is the version that is out there for like streaming. Okay, good to know. Um, you can check that stuff out over at patreon.com slash nextlander. It's where you'll find Never Been a Better Podcast. We have a new one going up soon with i want to say it's abby and dan reichert uh on that one on the ramble cast dan reichert was a guest i was away and joined you guys it sounds like he got into talking about some wrestling mm -hmm. yes you, you can check that out over at nextlander.com or patreon.com slash nextlander both will get you to the right spot a bunch wanna, of other stuff up there want to learn everything there is to know about the montreal screw job oh, i think i know it all I've been on enough podcasts with Dan and Alex. I feel like I mostly know. See, I think I, I tuned it out. <laughs> you have that filter. Just, just kind of smile and nod. Uh-huh. Uh, you can check that out over at patreon.com slash nextlander. A bunch of different tiers there. I'll find a tier that works for you. It's where I would say most of our support comes from for being able to do this. Uh, and you can find a tier that fits your lifestyle, including one tier that gets their names read on this here podcast. Alex Navarro. Yes. Would you do the honors of reading this week's mysterious benefactors that have helped us out over on patreon.com. I do believe I will. Our mysterious benefactors for this week are Ryan Waterman, RRE, John Richardson, Vornak, Rips has joined the Bunny Fiend Make People Say Things Club, Kelly F, Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, Deirdre is off to the beach, Gary Pejsky, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Bunny Fiend, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Mega Crane, Raz Grizz 2, Brian Murphy, Randy Duax, Andrew Teepkin, Alex Wu, It Me JP, Matt Clemens Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Thanks to all our mysterious benefactors for this week, and thanks to everyone who has supported us over on Patreon.com, watched our stuff over at YouTube and Twitch, listened to our podcast. We appreciate it. Uh, again, we will have uh, a break from the Watchcast, but we will be back the third week. I think it's the yeah, third week. Yeah, the last week two weeks of September, we'll be back. We'll be, we'll be back, and then we'll be announcing what's going on as we follow. Well, by that point, we might be announcing what's going on in video games and movies as mm -hmm. we uh, follow what's going on with the strikes and how they affect us and all of that business. Um, what a time. What a time. I'm going to play some Starfield. I'm going to play some Shadow Gambit and some Trine. I'm going to get back on my kids are starting school. I'm going to get back on my exercise routine. Okay. Kids starting school means I'm back on a better schedule, which means I can carve out my time much better instead of this piecemeal, just something's happening one day. It's not happening another day. I'm so excited. Exercise bike. Let's do it. Let's do it. Get it back up there. Love it. Been, get the I love that for you. I can't wait. 
I'm very excited. I'm going to keep Fred, treating myself like garbage. Do it. Even more garbage. Hell yeah. Why not? What could go wrong? Uh, Brad Shoemaker, thank you very much. Enjoy mm-hmm. the week. Same to you. Alex Navarro, thank you very much. Enjoy your time. Thank you. Can't wait to see if you uh, get the battle station all all set up and cleaned up. Sounds like you're well in Yeah. Brad, okay, I, I hope to hear about your new TV. <laughs> when we come Me back. too. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the support. Couldn't do it without you. And we'll be back in the near future. See ya.